it, it backed up on to the bridge and then started backing up the freeway. So I mean, we had we had police officers that we know that are friends of ours that work for the local uh, Port Police Department that were calling us, dude. What's going on? Like, you know, why is there so many people coming into the restaurant today? Because they're used to us being busy. Welcome to the catch up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, editor and Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news breaking, food porn peddling, viral website on the dot coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright, and welcome to the catch up. Jeff, we're talking seafood today. Seafood? We got family and business. Those are topics I want to talk about. I'm very excited that we have Henry the Hammer and Tommy the Boss. Tommy is the founder of the Family Run. It's a California staple. It's an iconic beachfront having largest restaurant in California, the San Pedro Fish Market. Woo! Yeah. And I'm excited to catch up with these two because San Pedro Fish the San Pedro Fish Market. I'm gonna we need to figure out an acronym, SPFM. That's <laughs> yeah, what we're gonna do. That's what we use. <laughs> it dates back to the 50s, the 1950s. Tommy was selling fish out of ice chests on the docks to locals with Henry's father. Henry. And now San Pedro Fish Market is over 55,000 square feet of fish entertainment. <laughs> it's open seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's like Disneyland. It never closes. They have a TV show. They have a record plate. Jesus. I'm Re- so hungry. <laughs> I'm so damn hungry. They had a record-breaking year last year. They had 1.8 million customers come through their restaurant. That's crazy. They got a chain of Chipotle style, this best way I can explain it, we'll have them explain it in a second, quick service restaurants popping up all around California. We even did a Food Beast News Bite video on their most iconic dish last year, a shrimp super tray. It's Went tr- nuts. Dude, It's that's a story in and of itself. That video- Stay tuned for that story. That's that video nuts. alone has 52 million views. It's crazy. These two are known, along with the rest of their family, as the kings of fish. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to the pod, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you for thanks having, for having us. We can jump right into that fish tray story just to do it, because we, we became acquainted and friends not too long ago, and I feel like we were you guys already had launched your show, and we did a walkthrough at the restaurant just to get some food, and I look up at one of the five counters that you have, and I look up, and I say, what is this super tray you have here? <laughs> I was like, what is, I'm looking for something to cover, I wanna make a video, I wanna do another video for this, I'm like, what is this super tray? And you're like, oh, it's just a big tray with shrimp on it, and uh, you can kind of customize as you want. I saw a big flash, it said a 99 bucks, or 100 bucks, something on yeah. it, I was like, that's something about that, all that rings, it sounds great. And you're like, yeah, it's just a thing that we do. Like you did not think twice no, about it. Yeah, well, it's so common to us, you know. And mm-hmm. and and to our customers, it was too. We didn't realize by you guys coming in and filming that little segment of this trade to us that was just what we'd been doing forever. Yeah, 
what it would do to the it, even the people coming in the door there were so many new faces walking in the door and the faces changed mm. it's like wow well, who are all these new people walking in looking for this shrimp tray yeah. you know and then millions and millions <laughs> and millions of views later it's like oh my and we still have people coming in looking for that tray the super tray you know so it's 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 sexy because it it was Seafood. I talk to Mike about this all the time. I mean, you guys have the components of what it takes to just have a good California experience. Yeah. You're on the water, good fresh seafood, simple and it's unpretentious. Like I no longer want to go sit on a white tablecloth. <laughs> and I saw that in that tray, and I was like, all right, let's just shoot this video. We shoot the video. Even people here were like, yo, the. F- I was asking them as they're editing. I was like, how's the video look? Like, it's good. It's seafood. It's fresh. It looks good. It's cool. The ambiance looks good. None of them thought it would do what it did. So we put it up. First couple hours, 500,000 people saw it. We're like, oh, crap, that's pretty big. And then the next day we woke up, it was like 2 million. And then a couple days later, it's at 5 million. 5 million people. And then you see the comments trickle in like, man, I'm driving down. They better got this tray over there. They better got this tray. And then I think Mike sends me a text. He's like, what the hell is going on? Like, how is this compared to the other videos? And I'm just like, I don't know. It's pretty good, man. And then uh, t- tell me about, wasn't there a traffic jam? You guys already have parking problems. Like, at the- Oh, yeah. I mean, we had, we had cars backed up for, for us. We, we say to the bridge, which is basically the entire strip from when you get off into San Pedro to our restaurant. It, it backed up on to the bridge and then started backing up the freeway. So, I mean, we had, we had police officers that we know that are friends of ours that work for the local uh, Port Police Department that were calling us, dude, what's going on? Like, you know, why is there so many people coming into the restaurant today? Because they're used to us being busy. But it wasn't the, the time of year where it should have been that crazy. And it never stopped. It was every weekend after that to where they had to adjust traffic and get more officers to come in to help with traffic flow. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, Amazing. it's crazy. We hear stories when it's like a smaller restaurant, right? And they get a little influx of people. But for anything like that to happen at, you know, you walk in San Pedro, it's huge. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. So that was cool. I'm glad I'm glad people saw that fish tray. And <laughs> Well, tell me what it, I mean, and obviously I know what it is. But I think for the people that haven't Sorry. seen the video, you know, for the 200 million uh, Americans that haven't seen this video, <laughs> what... It's good math right there. Well, like, so what is, what is the shrimp tray and what's everything involved and how do you order it? And yeah, what's the price point? Give me all that. Cause I feel like there's definitely people listening that probably haven't seen that video, but they need to get a fish. Yeah. They need to get a shrimp so, tray. So our, our shrimp tray is basically, it, that particular tray was a tray that now is, I mean, everybody comes up ordering the super tray, but the way the tray always worked was you created the tray. So you walk up to a showcase filled with seafood. It's like walking into grocery store on steroids, right? So you've got 30 foot of case, 36 feet of case, maybe somewhere in there. 36. Of, of, of fresh seafood, along with another separate room of different whole fish, whole squid, different items like that. So you're coming up, picking that by the pound. So you're buying it. You order, which is a vegetable and potato combo, bell peppers, onions, tomatoes, our signature seasoning, red, red potatoes, we take all that, you take it all to a flat griddle, stir fry it up, and we just put it on a cafeteria tray. So that tray could be 
one shrimp with some vegetables and potatoes up into where we did this giant tray, which we did like fried people. tilapia. I think yeah, on top. I mean it was nice. the the super tray was basically a fried tilapia. It has um, snow crab in it. It has black mussels in it. it. Has shrimp in it. Did we add anything else to that? Was yeah, there some fillets? Fillets. Yeah, yeah that's right. Fillets. We had fillets in it, and you know it's a mound of food. I mean, it's 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 a serious mound of food. Then we serve it with garlic bread and tortillas. So the, the best thing is to get signature loaf of our garlic bread. It's a foot-long garlic bread. You sit there and you dip it in the juice that comes off the tray. and It's such a happy yeah, thing. I, I, I met my wife through that tray. Put it that way. <laughs> I met my wife through that tray. So. Sold. I served her the <laughs> tray. Junior dropped his I was phone getting married. That was, that was it. Yeah, Junior, Junior just dropped his phone back there when I said that. <laughs> you, you can also order that thing over the internet. Yeah. You don't have to come there to buy it. Yeah. How does the internet thing work? Walk us through. So people can buy the tray, they can customize it too, or what, what happens? They customize, they get, there's a whole list from A to Z of the different seafoods, and you could say, I want one shrimp, or I want one keen crab leg, or I want calamari, or you can, I want five pounds of shrimp, whatever they feel that they need to have a party, and we send them the whole package. We send them the seafood that they order, the potatoes and vegetables, the um, uh, the seasoning, the butter to cook it with, the garlic bread. They get the whole package, the whole experience. Takes them about ten minutes at home to cook it up themselves. Do you include a little note says, "Don't fuck this up"? <laughs> <laughs> with this picture, well, and, and, and that's the magical thing about the yeah. tray to me was, you know, my first San Pedro experience was. So they filmed that video before I had the chance to experience, right? So I was experiencing it like Everyone thousands else. and thousands of people that saw the video. And when you get there and you realize that this isn't necessarily, it can be a specific item. You can order exactly what you saw on the video. But you want to throw some of this on there? You want to throw some of that on there? Like the world was literally my oyster at that point right and i think that was the magical part of san pedro is i'm here with three or four people we're going to decide our own destiny of how we want seafood and then just watching that guy in that flat top with with the seasoning with the butter putting it all on a tray man it was it was pretty magical i love the age range of people who go to the market because when we put that video up and i went the next weekend like trying the food again i have a a friend of mine his father has his boat and he's like we've been coming from Catalina. we go from catalina to san pedro we we dock and then we jump and we get like that's tradition for us every weekend and there's such a age range of people who go it's so much fun how important now you say you're selling it online to give that san pedro fish market experience like outside of san pedro like is that because that's leading by the flyby at night of your pants like that's you're now doing all right let's open stores what is that the is that the catalyst to getting the brand out there now yeah i mean you know it's for us we've seen multiple generations coming down there forever i mean there's people that come down to see tommy that are now you know they have their own grandkids and they were coming down there when they were little kids so to 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 bring that story out to the masses and to be able to bring that that story into your home through delivery or to be able to bring it into your neighborhood is extremely important. But we also, 
we want people to come to the original. You know, mm-hmm. we want you to experience that 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 weight, that long line, the <laughs> the smell, the you know, the entire experience to see this guy behind the counter still working. He's still there, guys. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's real. It's not you know yeah. what you see on the on the screen is it's the truth. He is there still. You know, and. As we're trying to duplicate that experience, you know, it, we're, we've put a lot of effort into that, especially in design. When you go into the restaurants, we gave you that that San Pedro feel and the the smell and the experience. You know, we're cooking right on a flat top in front of you. We're not hiding anything in the back. So when you walk in there, you get that feel. It's difficult to take what we've been doing for years and duplicate that and. And because for us, it has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It has to be that San Pedro fill. So that's one thing that's been really important, especially to him. You know, he's like, you can't change anything. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, you know, adjust a flavor for this location because it's convenient. No, that's not the way it works. Everything has to stay the way he's been doing it since day one because that's why we're successful. So, and he's, I mean, he's in there mixing the recipe still to this day to make sure. So I think some of them are only in his head that n- nobody still knows <laughs> yeah, what that I, recipe I, I, is. I've given them all out. He's given them all out. There's, there's nothing hidden. Except one. <laughs> and that's in a can in the backyard, Barry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have so many, I have so many questions. I mean, the fifties, what is San Pedro? Explain San Pedro. Cause that's important for people to know what San Pedro looks and feels like to understand the fish market. Tommy. <laughs> there we go. Okay. In the 50s, it was the largest port of, of fresh fish coming into mackerel, sardines, anchovies, squid. There, there, there was probably 100 boats that would deliver every day tons of this stuff. And they ra- anywhere ranging from 10 ton to 120 ton. Now, and then there was also like, um, I would say four major canneries there at the time. And even just a little bit before my time, the guys would tell me that uh, when all this fish came in, they'd blow a whistle at the cannery. All the kids that were in school, they'd get up, they went to work. They went to Canary to go to work. They had so much fish. They hired everybody and anybody. Just come down and go to work. Is that how you got started? How did you get involved? I actually got involved. Uh, his dad and I are 18, no, eight days apart in age. Wow. Our grandparents immigrated from Italy. First of all, our grandparents immigrated from Italy. They lived on a little island off of Naples. They ended up in San Pedro. They were best of friends. So consequently, when my parents got married and his uh, grandparents got married, they were in each other's weddings. So actually, our families grew up together and we're all together all these years. So his grandfather took me in with him, with his uh, son, Henry, and he says, uh, I got got a choice for you guys. Now, we're like in the ninth or tenth grade in high school you know and he says you could either go to work or you go to college we'll send you to college i'll send you to college i i can afford it 
And we looked at each other. What the hell? We hated high school. We <laughs> <laughs> wanted to get out of here. I said, I guess we'll go to work. But he wanted to know right then. He didn't give you, there was no choice of, you know, no, you're going to tell me right now, right this Tenth minute. grade, you're going to make a decision. Right now. <laughs> so wow. we ended up picking go to work. So we did go to work. I don't know if I should tell you this part. Oh, now, now you have to. Now you have to. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> you <can> kill it. <laughs> I probably might have told you before anyways. The, uh, Mackie, the grandfather, he was a bookie. A what? You heard what I oh. said. <laughs> <laughs> now you have, okay, now go deep. Like, now go deep. Like, like you guys never used one before, What's right? <laughs> how, how old are you? Say high school, you're about 15? About 15. 15? Yeah. And he's and, a bookie. And he's a bookie, so he needed a front for <laughs> the bookie operation. True story. This little fish market, the size of this room. I'm, talking, I'm not less exactly. than 100 square feet maybe 100 square feet in this room maybe no, just the size of this room is okay. all it was one little showcase like right where you're sitting the front doors where those guys walked in this much there was a wall right here that ice chest that you guys talking about mm -hmm. was it there was two of them against one wall there another wall here ice no refrigeration none of that just ice the walls were six, eight inches thick on this. It was all insulated. Every night you took the fish out, you put the fish in, put the fish out. And that's how we learned the fish business. And so, it started, so, so you're saying it started as a front <laughs> and then turned into a legitimate business. You that's what that's what Which is probably the craziest opening story we've had on the podcast. Hey, we're here to talk about seafood. Let me take it back to where it wasn't seafood. <laughs> I can even tell you more that when we were kids, not knowing, now we're young kids. You, know, you don't know what, eight, did you know eight, what a bookie eight, was? Eight or, or ten years, sure we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what football cards are? Like baseball cards? Are they no, same no, thing? no, football cards, where they got all the teams listed, and you could pick your teams. We're getting an education right Yeah, now. I'm getting an education. You can tell <laughs> I'm out of practice, anyway, guys. Anyway, before the football cards, we were kids. Bicycles, eight, ten years old. Uh -huh. You give us an envelope and say, "Go see Louis Pez." Louis Pez was the guy that ran the bowling alley. Another bookie. <laughs> so we go, we go to the, we go and give Louis Pez the, the envelope, or he'd go say, "Go see Raymond." Raymond uh, was down on Beacon Street, one of the famous streets in San Peter, the roughest streets in the United States at one time. Go see Raymond. We're going to see Raymond. Raymond hands us an envelope. I don't know. We bring the envelope home. Bring, deliver the envelope. Do this. Do that. <laughs> you know, all this crazy stuff. <laughs> so, so when did you? When did the fish business then, turn into the serious, like a serious business that got gaining traction? And we're like, this is this the, is the family business. The very first business was in the middle of town, a little small place. And then about 19, I would say 58 or 59, can't remember, it goes that far, I'd say 58, um, down at the landing where we're at now, it used to be called Norm's Landing, it was a sport fishing area, there was only four buildings there, and uh, the guy went broke, so Mackie says, perfect, that building was 40 by 40, perfect, he goes, that's what we need, something bigger. So things work. 
So he believed in the business at that he point. He believed in the business at that point because, you know, I guess he felt me and Henry knew what the hell we were doing by then. Mm -hmm. You know, so then we go down there. We were, he was busy doing his stuff. We, Henry and I would go buy the fish. We'd be behind the counters. We would do the whole, the whole shebang. And I can't tell you whether it was two years, five years or what. He walked in one day and says, we're not booking anymore. And me and Henry look at each other and we go, we didn't do any of that. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so no more booking. And, and no more booking. All that we became legitimate. That was it. We're in the fish business. That's crazy. You know? That's crazy from yeah. the bookies to yeah. the docks. All right, yeah. so. <laughs> so anyways, San Pedro, back to the original thing. Yeah. After I took, it was mainly a fishing village and a, um, a, a longshoreman stevedore uh, town because that was the two main uh, thing, uh, thing, and, and shipyards. And, and explain, and, and explain what that is because people in California might know what a longshoreman is longshoremen are and what they do but what tell tell me what because what was the words that you described san pedro just now they were like longshoremen longshoremen or stevedores they call them stevedores at the time. like well, stevedore. so what is that they would at that time everything come now comes in a container hmm. at that time everything came off the ship with their backs hmm. so in other words they had to unhaul the whole ships by hand stick it on the dock and either carts took it away and and it was completely different than the what than the system is now so there was that there was the fishing village and there was the shipyards so between the three of them san peter was a major major town there was every major car dealer there there was uh they tell me that the richest bank in at that time in the Bank of America system was on 10th and Grand, uh, 10th and Pacific, which is still open today. It was, they had more money in that bank than they did in any other bank in their whole system. Wow. Because, because of it, how big the port was because and the, port the was and, every, and everybody was prosperous, everybody was making money, and there was only one or two banks in the whole town. So yeah, deposit uh, there. So the pot was there. Yeah, so... That's the main... Uh, so what point... I mean, so you're dealing fish, and it's still on ice. You, at what point is it a restaurant? Do you, were you serving food pretty it, immediately, or what were you doing? From 58 to 82, it was just strictly fish to go home. We'd clean it for you, fillet it for you, do anything you wanted, but it was just strictly to go home. In 1982, we opened um, a San Pedro Fish. Which yeah. is where we're currently at now. Yeah, yeah, okay. we're currently at yeah. right, and uh, then that started the food uh, serving, and actually we were we were kind of scared because we never did anything like that. So we had the fast food area where you can buy fish and chips. We had a dining room that we didn't open up for a month because we. Because we're kind of scared. What are we going to do? We never did this before. <laughs> so consequently, one, one day I said, you know, tomorrow's Friday. We're opening this place. No so, matter what. No matter what. Do, die, wrong, upside down. I don't care. We're going to open it. And that's how we opened that part up. 
Why do you, why do, you do that? Do you think you, there's an opportunity for more money or you were hungry while you're selling all this fish? What's the, were people hungry waiting in line? I don't get it. Why do you, things seem to be going good. You decided to. Uh, things were going good, but the room was already built out. It was there. What am I supposed to do? Just look at an empty room. <laughs> you know, get off your ass, go to work. Let's go. Could open up a little casino. I could have had another booking room, huh? <laughs> but, oh. but anyways, uh, Everything's gone real well. Uh, this younger generation are putting uh, a lot of effort into changing things and have really progressed and put brought the business way up. Yeah, because Henry, what's the, what's the business like now in comparison to when it started as a fish market to how much of the restaurant side is, like how major, minor are those two parts of the business and especially where's the focus? I mean, because the focus seems to be on, at least on the expansion side, on the restaurant side, You guys right? got a lot going on. Yeah, right? I mean, we're, we're still a fish market when you come in, you know, but our sales aren't for people coming in to take seafood home. You know, our 99 point whatever percent of our sales is people coming in to eat in the restaurant. You know, and I remember as it transitioned from a kid, like he was saying how we opened in, you know, 82, you know, and I remember working on the barbecue as a kid in high school, which at the time was an outdoor barbecue. And we would cook shrimp, not from people purchasing it inside. We were just selling shrimp. So, you know, we would just be bringing ice chest of shrimp outside, cooking it up, stir frying it in a pan with butter. You know, at the time it was probably Old Bay or something like that. And then, you know, they started coming up with their own seasoning, you know, Tommy and, uh, you know, at the time and thought, you know, I could do better than what, you know, I'm putting on here now and came up with his own blend. And, you know, I kind of actually remember a weekend it raining and none of us wanted to work outside anymore, but the grill was on. And customers going into the market and buying fish and like, hey, can I just cook it? You guys got the grill sitting here. Yeah, Tom, put it on the damn grill. And, you know, and, and that's him telling us to have, you know, and next thing you know, we're cooking orders. And and then next thing you know, it starts transitioning into this, buying it inside and staying there. Yeah. And then the health department coming down going, hey, this, <laughs> this outdoor grill thing has to change. And so he says, OK, well, let's cover it. Next thing you know, he's, well, let's, we're going to put a roof, let's turn it into a deck. And, well, if we're going to put a deck, let's turn it into a room. And, well, let's have banquets. So and then we became a banquet facility. And, Jeez. you know, so we started doing banquets and, you know, the shrimp trays. And then business just took off. And, okay, well, we need another kitchen. Well, let's build one here. We got space. And let's add another one here. And, you know, now I think we're five kitchens into the, you know, under one roof. I, I And I know the fish market was started by like multiple families but it, if for the people that have watched the show they understand it's it's one big family yeah. right and tell me about that family dynamic because i don't think we've actually had anyone on the pod that has a a bigger family involvement mm-hmm. um, of that scale right and so many different people of of the family are involved in in different roles so What's that like? What's awesome about it? What sucks about it? What's well, what one, are some of just, the hard conversations well, you have to one, have? One part out of the our particular uh, family part is we have employees that have been working for us for thirty and forty years. They become part of our family now. Yeah. So it's too. not just us. Yeah. 
we have these other people that have been working for a long time. So it's, the family is bigger than you really think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You I mean, know? His, his they, mom worked in the restaurant up yeah. until what? 90 years old. Yeah, up until she was 90. I fired her. <laughs> I fired her and took her car away in the same day. Oh, yeah. It wasn't good. And I told her, don't worry. I'll send you money. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It wasn't the but, money. No, it wasn't. She said, I don't need the money. It's not money. Yeah. You know, it's because I want to be down there with the people. Yeah. That's no, the whole thing. It's yeah. So definitely yeah. Uh, it's great working with family. I think... The, the thing that makes it good for us is we're a, we've grown to a good en, a big enough size to where we're not all in the same room all day long because if we were we yeah, I might kill every one of them none of these guys would be here none of them would be here none of them I'd be the only one standing how did yeah. you guys find your roles in the company because it seems like I mean, they you guys all have a story they did they? Us, yeah. okay. we didn't, it just, it just, just yeah. fell in just it everybody fell, fell into their roles yeah well, so I mean, what, he started it. You know, it was him and my dad. And even then, they had two completely different roles. You know, two different yeah. people, two different beasts. You know, my dad was more concerned about, hey, where's what, what, what are we doing with the money here? Or, you know, and this guy's more concerned about just running around like a madman getting it going. You know, Get it were, going, man. They were, Don't worry, the money you know, will come. Henry, Henry, <laughs> I need some money, Henry. What are we going to spend? You know, my dad was more, you know, it, my brother John's a lot like Sounds my, like Eli and dad. I. Sounds yeah, like uh, the dreamer and the operations yes, guy, right? Yes, yes, that's exactly <laughs> it, you know. and But they somehow made it work you know my grandpa was there and at one point he told my grandpa hey enough's enough we need you to move out because my grandpa was spending the money they were earning on other things other than the business having fun figuring the hell are you guys i put you in place i'm gonna enjoy myself now so but you know it's 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 been an awesome family dynamics i mean look we got tommy jr sitting back here who to me is a another brother you know i've got my sister, who when my dad was alive, swore will never work for the business because to him the business was just this fish market. He he didn't have the vision that you know we're on or you know or the path we're on now. So to him, hey, I don't want my baby down there. You know, the fish market was hard work. It was for men. It wasn't a place for a woman. You know, and then after he passed away, even my brother Mike was on his own path for a while. You know, just kind of doing his own thing. And everybody came back to the business. And from there, it's just grown. You know, and we're it's just, it's a family. We work together every day. You know, we, we, we vacation together. You know, I'm, I go with Junior. We go down to Arizona, go to our house, and we hunt, and we, you know, have a great time. And on top of that, we bring employees with us. You know, we, we went and bought 37 acres and built what we call the compound to bring our employees down there to treat them to a good time when they're not at work. So we grab a dozen guys and we bring them down and we just spend, you know, three, four days blasting guns, having a good time, <laughs> going nuts, living the American dream. <laughs> guys, go watch Kings of Fish if you haven't because yeah, there's a lot of good right. stuff in there yeah, about there this. Yeah. yeah, it's their and, docudrama about the... We're, t- we're referencing the show a lot, but the show is Kings of Fish and it's a show that they, that they produced that kind of shows the behind the scenes where Tommy wanted to retire and they got pulled him back into the businesses. Constant story, this struggle of like wanting to leave and bring him, being brought back in. So it's a, it's a lot of fun, a lot of Godfather themes in there. It's pretty cool. Well, yeah, and, and I think it's, 
that's where at least I saw the interesting part of that family dynamic, right? That creates that drama that's that's worth watching. When did you guys know that the conversations you were having on a regular basis could be a TV show and should be a TV show? <laughs> and when did you start producing that show? Man, about two years ago we started yeah. with the show. I think that was Michael's. Uh, brainstorm idea mr computer yeah mr computer <laughs> over there we we actually were approached mike, mike was dealing with a friend of his who was a um he was a food blogger he, he did actually an article in a local paper and he was um trying to launch a show i believe it was on the food network at the time and he was doing the pilot episode so he came to us and had known about our location he was he was a hungry detective so he was actually a police officer so his show was going to base, be based on places he loved to eat because he was out all the time eating so did the show on us and then uh from that show an, another guy started coming down to the market who was trying to launch another show and fell in love with our food and came to us and was going to do a show on I believe it was the uh, Hungry Network on YouTube mm -hmm. at the time. So they were going to have a show. So they came to us and filmed a little skit on us about a drink they were creating, fell in love with the characters and said, hey, you guys, this should be a reality show. So they approached us, filmed it, tried to sell it, didn't really pan out. And Mike started thinking, well, shit, this could just be a great marketing tool. Like, mm -hmm. What if we just self-produced it and we use it as a marketing tool and we just put it online and from there it's we're on i believe six season coming up right six season mike six season launching uh, any any week now i think in the next uh, two weeks now so and it's fun you know i mean to us it's who we are we're not acting we're we're who we are and <laughs> he is who he is and junior is who junior is and together the business works how weird was it having cameras in your face i'm assuming for the first time um, well mean, it was i mean because we had filmed a couple pilots little, little well the yeah the pilot stuff so it's weird doing it at the market on a sunday when all these people are looking at you wondering why there's a camera following you around that's odd yeah. when it's just us it's fine it's fun because we're being who we are but then people start looking at you like well why is there a camera following this guy you know like why is he special that's a cool market <laughs> i think that's a cool marketing play too. it is it I is mean, it was it, all it, it, yeah it, it works it works great it all works out you know we're we're here for the business you know and it's important to us so i mean so your uh, sunday's the busiest day of the market it is saturday's got really close now especially summertime they're, they they're they're pretty right on top of each other saturday and sunday now you know uh it used to be sunday was busy because our our customer base went to church and after church they spent the day together as a family they were looking for a place to go seafood sunday seafood yeah and and it just they knew what the right way tommy my dad my grandpa and the people we had just they knew the right thing to do to get those people in the door and it there was no other place offering you a spot where you could fit multiple generations and nobody asked you to get up after you were done eating mm -hmm. and we're that place you come you spend two three hours we get it granted sure we love turnover but we're <laughs> not asking you to get up you know people sit there they come in the morning set up a tablecloth bring a cake they wait two hours for the rest of the family to show up because they did, they wanted to make sure they had the seat grandma wanted because it's grandma's <laughs> birthday and grandma's been coming here since we opened and that's where grandma wants to go 
You know, in Mother's Day, I look at the crowds. I'm like, you're torturing your mom by bringing her down here on Mother's Day. And people do it. And they wait hours because that's what she wants. And the rest of the family's going to deal with it because she wants that on Mother's Day. It's the original Hypebeast location. People waiting for food. That was never. It didn't used to be a thing. And I feel like you guys were doing that. We were doing, doing that before. We're the original fast casual. You know, everybody thinks fast casual. So we've been fast casual since he opened the door. You know, I mean, that's what we always were. We were a place. You walked up. You picked what you wanted. We cooked it for you real quick, and you sat down. Or you walked up to the fast food, ordered a quick order of fish and chips, and everything was made to get you in and out quick. You know, that was always our thought. Tell me how do you feel as as the brand grows and now you're going to start opening up a lot of these even faster casual places across the country further from the source of where you know you grew up and you were raised and, and you built this business. How does that feel? What's anything scare you about that? Well, it doesn't scare me, no. The thing is, is that uh, these guys have a vision and they got to produce their vision. I had a vision when we started the market and that was my vision. They got the vision, they got to do it. Me, you're still going to find a San Pedro fish. I'm, I may fly if there's a place to go to go eat. Mm-hmm. But these guys got to do the work now. So it feels like you're, go- you're, you're, you're getting more at letting go there and kind of seeing that. Seeing a, little that a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Not too much. I was say, he's still in the new restaurant every week. <laughs> we don't bring in hamburger buns until the fish burger was put on the menu. Just kept dropping off a dozen. Here's a dozen. Here's a dozen. Until finally he gets the text. It's on this week. Or silverware. You guys got to put silverware in the new restaurant. So he buys silverware and he just drops it off. Boom. Lays it on a, you guys, and so now silverware is going on this week. So he, he's still, he I, definitely I a, gets I his input. I do it in a quiet way. Yeah, you know? yeah. He gets what he wants. Or I, went early, I go early in the morning when nobody's there but the employees. And I tell them to make some food. Would you put it on this bread or this bread? Now everybody sit down and eat. So then they'll bug the manager's. We need to get this because this is really good. (laughs) So I sneakily, you know, sneak things in. You subtly get your agenda in. Yeah, Yeah, in your own way. Instead of hollering at him, which I normally would do, I did it. I'm doing it a different way. Yeah, we have an HR department now. It took me 75 years to to finally wake up and do it the gentle way. (laughs) And I think that was an important element, Henry, that you mentioned, which was. We've been fast casual since, what, the 80s or whenever those yeah. doors opened when, to that when, restaurant? When we opened the dining room, it was fast casual. You'd come up to the register, you'd order your food, you'd get your drinks, you'd go sit down, somebody would bring you your food. Yeah. And there's a, there's a magic casual. about that because of that flagship location with where it's placed, how much seating is available, mm-hmm. and how you can just hang out there because... You know, for me, when I experienced it the first time and I just got this huge tray, like I wanted to sit there. I was with friends. I, you know, we made a we made a major moment of it because it was like, yeah, we we just we bought all the seafood. Let's hang out. Right. And I think that was the charm that in almost any other situation, whether you're at a tablecloth or you're at a different restaurant, it's, you know, you feel pressure to get get up. And I think that was that was some of the charm of what we experienced. Having a waiter gives you this weird accountability. Like the <laughs> waiters are trained, they don't want to pressure you, but at the same time, the fact that they exist and brought you your food and yeah. now they're balancing when they bring you the check, like you you don't feel comfortable sitting and hanging out. We're here, it's like you're outside, you see the ocean, 
you can keep drinking if you want. You keep going up. I like that. And I think that it, we're seeing that as the future. You guys were there. And now it's cool that you guys are bringing that into these smaller locations further and further away from that. What's So what's next? Like what's what's big on the horizon? How many of these stores do you want? I mean, we're, you guys have these pouches of, of seafood bisque that I absolutely love. Um, I get them straight from you guys, but how, what's what's next? Like, how much how much of the business do you guys want to be in grocery stores versus the e-commerce versus these uh, fast casual concepts? Well, we're working with um, for online sales. Actually, we're, we've uh, kind of we've been working with Gold Belly, so you could you could actually order different versions of our of our tray on Gold Belly now. Cool. So, as far as um, other projects, I know Mike's been working with QVC. So that's something Ooh. we're hopefully launching soon where you'll be able to, I'm guessing he's going to be the face of it on there. Maybe Tommy selling the product on QVC. I'd love to see you grow, yeah, man, so, on QVC. Yeah. Right next to Lori the shark. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> sh- that should be a good one for us. But, you know, as far as ex- expansion right now, the ports of call is getting developed. So where we're at, we're actually all around us. We're the, the there's two, well, actually three restaurants left. We're part of all three of them. You know, the the two on the sides are are ours. Tommy's part of the one in the middle. So, the 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 last remaining restaurants are there, and the reason we stayed is we're getting a new building. So everything else around us is gone. We're gonna get sixty five thousand minimum square feet of land to work with. Jeez. Probably have a thirty thousand square foot building on that. Potentially more. Uh, that's what? huge for us, you know, but on top of that, we're also working on open. We opened a, a new location. We have another one opening in a couple of weeks, which is the San Pedro Fish Market Grill. We're opening a place in Long Beach on the waterfront, which was a um, used to be a Joe's Crab Shack that closed down. And we took that over and we're doing a complete remodel of that. We're going to put showcase in it, come up just like San Pedro, buy the fish, cook it for you. Same kind of experience on the waterfront there, too. And once those get going, you know, we have plans for expansion of 50 total more locations. Wow. We, we plan on doing some flagship locations and the smaller grill locations. And Joe's Crab Shack is, is meeting a fiery uh, demise. Right? How, do, how do you guys compete with seeing what, what they've done, the good and the bad, and how do you guys avoid that? Because Joe's Crab Shack isn't doing too, too yeah, hot, no, right? It's, yeah, no, they, they, they're definitely in a, in a spiral down right now, you know, but we're different. You know, they, they're, <laughs> it's, it's hard because, you know, you don't want to be that corporate, you know, the dilemma they ran into. So we have to keep him as long as we can to <laughs> keep kicking us in yeah. the nuts to make sure we do things the right way. Yeah, our you know, thing is give people good stuff all the time, no matter what. Quality. You have to throw something away, throw it away. You can't eat it, don't serve it. Simple. That's been our thing from day one. And, and yeah. I've had a question for a long time because seafood – especially in a restaurant industry uh has a shelf a particular shelf life right and that shelf life is a lot less than other foods Definitely. when what other restaurants serve so how much of that food goes bad how much can you not serve like do you have to build in the loss of that food kind of into the operation and how do you do that because i think you guys deal with some of the most sensitive core products in the world as it relates to timeliness, right? 
well, consequently, all the years that we've put in, you get to know how much to order. And if you over-order, you have to freeze it. You can't wait till it's five days old and then decide, oh, I'm going to freeze it now. You get in, let's say it rains. You order uh, 500 pounds of uh, salmon. All of a sudden, you get four days of, of rain. So you take the salmon, you put 400 pounds in the freezer, you serve, you, use, you know you're going to use this 100 pounds, and then instead of buying more, it's only in the freezer for a week. You take it out and reuse it. It's actually just like having fresh. It's not like most normal people buy meats. No matter what they buy, they put it in their freezer, and then six months later they go, oh, my God, I should eat this in six months. <laughs> it, it, it tastes like a damn freezer is what it tastes like. You're not eating, you're not eating something as good as steak. You're eating freezer. So, you know, you, you got to be on top of it. You got to be on top of your game. And the, those people I said that uh, worked for us for 30 and 40 years, they got that knowledge. We've trained them to that knowledge. So they know. And this guy, my son, he goes to the refrigerator every Sunday, a uh, Monday. And if uh, you see something that's long, bang, it goes in the freezer. Two, three days later, we take it out. And we have very little loss. Very, very little. Wow. Because we're, of, we're I'm assuming of because of you're on top of it and the demand is high, yeah. so Correct. you're yeah. able to turn that over. Correct. Yeah, and, you know, and the ordering, we it's order like, less and just... Is that going to get harder the more locations you have and, and trying to fluctuate there? That's what we're working on now yeah. is putting all them systems in place. You know, it's we've we've had three restaurants for years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we understand and we know what to order and... We, uh, like he said, rotation, keeping things in the freezer. I mean, we have our own giant freezers in, in one of our restaurants. That's It's, uh, it's going to be our dis uh, distribution center. So keeping product, handling it the right way, but figuring out how to, you know, set all those systems up, it's new to us too. So we're, we're in the process right now of figuring all that out. And we're only going to open these, figure it out, and then expand. Right. You know, once we get it, in. but we're, we're we've already got a really good system in place because a lot of our product is is stored away from our location in San Pedro anyhow because it's just we're selling too much product to keep it all under one roof. We're just that place was not built for the demand, so we have to store everything on a different facility anyhow. So we're delivering daily to our to our location. Were there any wake up calls when you opened the first? Uh, location that that wasn't San Pedro Fish Market because oh, yeah you had sixty man. years under your yeah. belt of this one restaurant but yeah that was a real kick in the nuts <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, you know and I know he knew how tough it was gonna be but you know he made sure we learned yeah, on our I, own I which is we, we needed to it was definite and it, and it still is a challenge to this day you know we've only been open I think since what was it April I believe it was when right. we opened. Uh, you know, we opened, oh, this could be, we got this, everything's going to be great. And then we went in going, holy crap, okay, let's remove a bunch of menu items because we're not prepared to execute all these things. Let's get everything else right. And it took months to, you know, I mean, we're just now. In a I groove think, now. Yeah, to where we finally put the entire menu out and we're happy with it and we're finally comfortable doing delivery and we're partnering up with Grubhub to get, you know, the deliveries going now. And, because, you know, it was a challenge. It was definitely... It's easy to cook the things we're familiar with where we where we do it. 
And then when you go into a whole other neighborhood, especially where we opened our first one, which is Rolling Hills, which is a completely different demographics than what we're used to. And we're used to just, hey, here's a tray, don't worry. And then, you know, you get Yelp and everybody's got an opinion and and you start finding, well, God, they don't like plasticware and they don't like, sty- not styrofoam, but you're, even the, you know, eco-friendly plates and everything. No, we want regular plates and we want silverware and we don't care how good your food is. You get a one star because you gave me a plastic fork. It's like, come oh, on. Wow. Food was great. Yeah, I know. But I would have preferred silverware. So it's been a challenge. It's crazy because you don't have the historical power when you open up these new spots. Like they don't care how legacy you were. But if you pop up in their neighborhood, now you have to cater to that neighborhood. And so that's that's a scary dynamic. I've heard that about like new restaurants and new areas. That's why I'm curious. It's it's been a challenge. I got a question for you, Henry. Yeah. You guys get in so many people every day. Like you said, um, People in Yelp, there's so many different personalities looking for different things. How do you guys deal with such a large volume of people? Do you guys ever have problems controlling, like, I don't know if there's ever any problems with people within, or like, how do you just deal with all that volume of different people? Dealing with the, you're you're saying just that to handle the amount of people that come at one time? Yeah. How do we? Do you guys ever have any problem, like any unruly people? Like, how do you? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we've, we've got smart over the years by, um, closing our doors to people coming in because of the amount of volume of people coming in. It was years ago, I'm sure it was the fire department coming in and saying, hey, guys, this is too much to where we regulated traffic. But now it's every Saturday and Sunday, we shut our doors down and you wait outside the building. And, you know, we've got a full security force that just, you know, deals with people all day long just to handle the flow of traffic because the building wasn't designed for the amount of people coming into it. You know, it wasn't built for the added kitchens or, or oh, the flow was it. He did a good job designing He did a great <laughs> he did a great job. I, I was the architect. Remember that. And that you were actually the builder about. too. You weren't Shit. just the architect. Oh yeah. Trust me, he dug the holes and we did it all. As long as there's no bodies under the concrete because they're gonna tear the building up in a couple of years. So yeah. let's uh if he disappears when the bulldozers come in, that answers a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at it. Anyhow, um, <clears throat> it's like festival level numbers of people, though. I mean, it is. It's it, crazy. It's, it it's, is we have to step back and think about that for a second. It's a restaurant. Yeah, it's a restaurant where thousands, thousands. of people come. Well, in. you know, when when they we own multiple businesses down there next to each other, so we also have the Krusty Krab, which is is a couple buildings down from where Sammy Joe Fish is. So they were able to, Tommy and my dad were able to get the ABC to allow us to share, not share the beer and wine license, but allow you to cross Mm. lines. So you could take a beer from our restaurant and walk down to Krusty Krab. So now you're able to, like you guys were saying, spend the day there. So people come down now and by, we also built multiple stands to buy beer and wine, right? So, and food. So now it's become this area that's festive to where I could be a, buy a michelada at San Pedro Fish. I could walk down to Krusty Krab. I can go get Krusty Krab ceviche and eat down there, drink my beer, get another drink from them while I'm hanging out down there. And just, you know, it just becomes this big festive area. And 
you know, I'm sure a lot of husbands have got slapped by their wives for it being so festive, walking down and enjoying the festivities, you know. And but it's 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 a it, it is a family place, you know. There's so many generations. Now we do get a lot of lost kids on the weekends because parents tend to, you know, hey, just let them run around, and, and they, you know, they they start thinking, hey, where. Where is he at? You know, so that security <laughs> are on it quick, and the kids are always fine. They're they're playing video games, they're feeding seagulls, or throwing you know things in the water to try to feed a fish or something. So we've never completely lost a child, but we, <laughs> we, we we do get that call on the radio where someone's missing their kid for a few minutes. You know, now there's no place else to go but our restaurants. You know, Ports of Call used to be this cool New England you know, style fishing village that had these, you know, a little eclectic shops left and a little candy store and stuff like that. But with the development they're doing, all that's gone. So now people are looking for something to do. So we actually asked the city to put some K-rails in front of our restaurant and create a promenade between Krusty Krab and Sammy Joe Fish so people at least can hang out when they're done eating and not get ran over by traffic. So now the front of the buildings become a hangout. So not only are people in the back, but they're done eating. Then they walk in the front, and there's snow cones and stuff, and they're just hanging out, sitting on K-rails, watching the traffic and enjoying the view. And so we've created our own kind of promenade down there now for the port. Wow. What, what is it about seafood that's just so magical? Because I feel like anyone that just is talking about seafood in general, there's an aura of seafood in comparison to almost anything else right what like and i don't, I don't have know. a premise i'm just like what is it yeah i because feel it i feel it when you see seafood i see videos of seafood and you see like i get excited it's giddy it's it's a little to me growing up it was always a little more elevated than your steak even your steaks yeah. and chicken right like it was a special thing it was a little more expensive and so forth i don't know i don't know how to encapsulate because seafood wasn't always a a luxury no. thing Lobsters and crabs, like, wasn't always a luxury thing. It wasn't the insect of the sea. I don't know. You guys probably know more than yeah, I do. They call it the, the first lobsters we bought, when that little store we first, it was twenty five cents a pound for lobster. We paid <laughs> for anything over three pounds. Anything under three pounds was thirty five cents. That's how much we paid for the first lobsters that we bought. I can remember that. I can't remember the price of anything else. I remember the lobster. That was really something. Oh, jeez. Now they're getting the fishermen. This is directly from the fishermen now. They get $22 a pound for the same lobsters. Wow. Yeah. How, how scary is it when pricing changes <laughs> for you guys? I mean, that's... Well, it's supply and demand. Uh. What happened? They're, they're shipping these lobsters. The lobsters they catch on our coast right here are the most wanted lobsters in the world. They ship them to Japan, they ship them to uh, China, Taiwan, they ship them all over. So consequently, there's not enough to go around. And over the years, you probably have great relationships with, like, so when you pick up, how, how do you pick up your fish? You guys don't go to, the, I mean, you are the market, so. Yeah, well, what? Uh, they bring it to us most of the time. Yeah. And we do, we, we do go pick up frozen stuff. We have a truck that goes, but uh, <clears throat> all the fresh stuff, is brought to us by we got fishermen same thing 30 and 40 years they're fishing for us yeah. not just you know in today's thing it's hard to find a fisherman mm -hmm. everybody wants to be a computer expert 
Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to go out in the ocean. And then you know, a, a computer geek. Computer geek. I don't, I don't know how in the you hell. You can't catch fish with your iPhone. I don't know how in the hell they're going to feed the. The only way they're going to feed the world is by fish farming. Yeah. And yeah, that's the they're, only way they're actually doing that right off yeah. our coast now. They're doing yeah. uh, mussels. Yeah, they're doing. It's the first uh, farm of its type. First yeah. one on the West Coast, period, right? It's the largest federally, like, least land of water. So Catalina Sea Ridge. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can see fishing becoming a, a sexy older millennial thing. I swear to God, I have a friend, he, uh, he used to do, he's a fitness guy, and he used to sell tutorials on how to do fitness stuff, and here's how to get yoked, here's how to, here's how to count your macros. He eventually, that whole industry got saturated and he stopped, and now he was fishing bluefin tuna. And now he teaches how to find tuna oh, wow. properly. And I mean, he's charging thousands of dollars to go out with you on your boat to help you find fish and it's it's fun to watch him and it's fun to learn about i mean you don't want to overfish but you want to do it like yeah, ethically right and all that stuff and it's that might be a thing in the future if, if more stuff like that can set, catch on on social media kids see how important it is, that could be fun you can see more people getting into fishing as a hobby and then as an industry well i think anything that involves work with your hands for a younger generation is looked at Oh, that's a cool craft thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like the big thing between generations versus like this is life's work versus that's a fun thing to do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious about how food is prepared and collected for our because, yeah, who I mean, and you probably guys experience this with your own workforce, but like, do you have a young workforce at your restaurant or are they? Oh, no, they're trying don't. to be esports gamers, right? Like I'm, I'm just like assuming like restaurant works hard work, fishing's hard work, and and there seems to be an inclination toward. Well, that's one thing. If 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 you do get a job with us, you're going to work hard. So we do have that that issue where you get this this current generation that comes in that you know they're they're used to their phone answering everything for them, telling them what to do, what time to do it. Like everything's off this device. So then they come in and they're shell shock. But we're a hard-working place, so, and, and you'll weed them out. You'll see the guys that could adapt, and you're like, okay, look, that's, that's a worker. Like, he actually could think, like, because a lot of people nowadays, their phone does the thinking for them or their computer does the thinking for them. So yeah. dealing with that new generation, I mean, we actually had to take a class on how to deal with <laughs> generations through our HR, which I never even thought we would have an HR department, but we are and we're actually retaking it again in december because it's a challenge and we've got a couple hundred employees and a, and a big handful of them are younger kids you know that we you know we hire kids 18 years old we used to hire them younger but we try to you know do it in that 18 year old range or older but it it could be a challenge. What do they teach a, you in that HR class? Like how to yell at a kid who's holding a phone <laughs> how, while how slicing not a to, fish? How, like, to, how to talk to him properly because that. you can't yell at anybody nowadays yeah. because they don't understand why they just got yelled at. Like you're yelling at me? And then they leave the job. There's no two weeks. There's no caring they if just they bounce. walked off the job. Oh, yeah. God. It's amazing. That's so weird. It's amazing. I can't imagine being 18 again. And which yeah, it's a puts us so out of touch, but I can't imagine yeah. like Well, I have a 19-year-old son, so I see it. Does he so work? Like, does he work at the market as he, well? He, right now he's at ASU, but this summer he worked for us the whole summer and he worked at the new restaurant a little bit. And so I, you know, I try to 
at least get him to be hands-on with the business so he could see what it's you know it's I guess different than what we went through with them mm-hmm. when we didn't have phones and I didn't want to go to college and they knew that. So, I mean, his foot was up my ass all day long. <laughs> now, granted, I needed it. I'm not going to say I didn't need it, you know, but it was a different generation. And uh, the way the way they were uh, able to talk to us then compared to what you could say now, <laughs> it's a total different time, you yeah. know. And it's, It sounded like your dad was almost – did he turn you off to the business or did he just want, I'm curious how that relationship was. Cause I hear that from fathers, from my dad and his business, he's, he owns his company, but he never, he never really wanted me to be a part of his business. He yeah. knew how he's a carpenter. So he, he, he knew he's like, yo man, it's hard work. I want you to go get an education. I want you to go do this. Sound like your dad was kind of, he was almost there for you. And so That's I'm curious exactly. how that relationship unfolded. He was that way. He was, he was a lot that way to us. You know, he, he always kept pushing, you know, he, this is, this is hard work. You guys, there's too many of you guys. This is one small business. It's not going to be enough for all you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys need to figure something out go off to school but he knew the which ones of us really wanted to go to school like mike for instance he was on his way to to college or me and my brother we weren't we just wasn't what we wanted to do even though we played like we were going to do that it just wasn't what we wanted to do but he never it was never encouraged we were never encouraged to stay like come on be part of this I, he didn't really want us to do that growing up you know he also died when we were, you know, he died, what, 19 years ago. So we were still at that age of, we were running the, or not running it, we were a big part of the business at the time, but he never got to see us transition into being where we've become with the business. He never got to see that side of it. So he always, you know, at that at that, at that age, I, w- I had my first kid, so he knew we weren't going anywhere. But like my sister, this, it was not for her. Mm-hmm. You know, and he always encouraged Mike, go get an education, get the hell out of here, go do your own thing. You know, there's more money, a better future for you outside of here. But he didn't see the big picture. He didn't think this was going to grow into what it's growing in. He never got, you know, as busy as it was, he never got to see what we're doing now. Feels like he was in the work trench of it, and he saw you in the work in the yeah. work trench of it, and not as a principal, as a thought leader in yeah. your own company, and being able to grow a brand. I mean, that's exciting. How did you guys have? How do you guys feel you're gonna do with your kids on that stuff? Are you gonna like? It sounds like oh, summer's a thing, man. I'm gonna put them in. Put them oh, to I work. make them work. My 13 year old was down there this summer too, scaling fish and gutting fish, and he wants to get a knife in his hand. He's like, Dad, can I use a knife? Yeah. <laughs> you, you cut your finger, it's gonna hurt, <laughs> just like I did. You're not gonna die. It's gonna hurt. You might get stitches. You want to use a knife? That's fine. Pay attention. Don't talk to the guy next to you when you're using it, because you will cut your finger. I guarantee you. But I let him do it because that's how I learned. We were down there at 10 because my mom couldn't handle three boys at home and a, and, a, and a daughter. So the three boys went to work. So we had a broom and we were sweeping. And then the rest of the time we ran around the village and wreaked havoc and drove all the, you know, all the other shop owners crazy. And the guy doing the puppets nuts so he can come out. <laughs> he was circus chasing us. Yeah, it was pretty much a circus down there. But it was, it was good times. It was good times. But we, we had really no choice as much as we weren't encouraged to be part of the business we had no choice but to be part of the business because we were told to go to work as young kids and we didn't play sports we didn't do any of that really so we spent our weekends at the fish market and growing up in high school my friends were out doing things and we were down at the market and that's what we knew 
you know, it was it was our life. We spent, I mean, we spent every weekend down there. That's crazy. I mean, more power to you guys. Congratulations. That's a lot of, I love hearing stories of just hard work, brute force, getting there. And I think what gets lost on a lot of uh, our generation and younger is the amount of time that it can take to build a successful brand right and this wasn't yesterday everyone's like i got an idea i need a brand tomorrow and i need success the next day (laughs) and that's just so many of the of the successful entrepreneurs that we interview on this show it's there's just so much you can't you have to put in the work you have to put in the time and i think that's you know, and it's translating now over decades and decades and decades that work from the beginning on through. Yeah, to sell fish for well, twenty five cents. Now, now what? How much you guys do a year? Over twenty five million dollars. Yeah. You, you guys do crazy yeah. numbers. It's crazy like, numbers now. It's definitely changed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just because you don't go to college doesn't mean you can't work hard and just learn some cool shit along the way. You guys are an inspiration. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank it's, you guys for jumping fun. on the pod. Yeah, I know you guys have. Yeah, get back to the fish market. Tommy's hungry. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy thought you were feeding him on the pod. Thought you were feeding him. Wait, but were you feeding yeah. my, own, my own food? Yeah. <laughs> that I, brought, I brought for you guys. What kind of bullshit is this? Uh, you were you were either told wrong or are bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're bad. <laughs> Anyways, guys, go check out the San Pedro Fish Market if you have not already. Check out Kings of Fish on kingsoffishtv.com, I believe. You can just Google it. You'll find it. And uh, until next week. Bye, y'all. Thanks, y'all.